All right, let's try this one more time. Let's go. <laughs> Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, wifey, Christina. Welcome back, babes. We get to connect today. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. So I messed up the intro like 18 times, I think. I've been out of practice with the podcast over the last couple of weeks. People have been unavailable or not willing to come into studio or whatever the case may be because of all this virus slash quarantine thing. And it's been really strange. So it's been uh, definitely a time to learn a lot about people, learn a lot about myself and obviously connect with you. And so today we figured we'd share a little bit of this experience that we've, that we've had together with you guys and talk about some of the things that came to, came into our lives or came into being over the course of this whole COVID-19 thing. So what's up, babes? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You feeling better? I'm a bit sore from working out. Oh, yeah? I'm feeling good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So your first, what, full two weeks of crossfitting since... How long has it been? Gosh, it's been, well, I had surgery in 2018 and leading up to that was a year of yoga and walking. (laughs) Yoga and and walking. So 2017 was probably the last time it was consistent. I was consistent at it. Regular. You mean just working out in general? Just working out. CrossFit regular because I was doing I was doing that I remember doing CrossFit and I was doing critical alignment yoga at my CrossFit studio at mm-hmm. Bedrock CrossFit in Calgary that was the best class ever I missed that class the critical alignment therapy yeah yeah what did you like about that I just loved the long poses the um, deep stretching that we did most poses we held for 90 seconds at a time and we had the mat that we'd roll up and position different different ways and along the spine and help just to help get that mobility so what is uh, critical alignment therapy a lot of people i'd never even heard of it until you explained to me what it was what is it exactly it's a i know it's kind of new right so yeah it's fairly new actually it's a guy from amsterdam it's critical alignment yoga and it's just a, a, a way of doing yoga. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it. Just from the class and a little bit of research online, there's not a whole lot online. But apparently this uh, this guy from the Netherlands came up with this modality, and he's got some sort of ties to Calgary. So he um, certified a few people in the area and so there's a few studios in Calgary that, that teach it. And so there's a great um, teacher. She's a yoga. She did it in a few different yoga studios. But she also did CrossFit at um, the CrossFit gym I was at. Mm-hmm. And um, she did it two to three times a week at that CrossFit gym. So I was hitting up those classes. Yeah, I did it with you, what, twice when we were up there? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, it was sort of like doing a mobility class, but at the same time you had, you had, like you said, like this little, this little pad that you would roll up. It's probably half the size of like a yoga mat, but it's thicker 
and you roll it up and it acts as like a pillow or a prop or what have you. And then there's another thing that we used. It was like a th- long, thin strip of like foam yeah, that you would roll up or put in different places. Use that underneath your foot and you can do different stretches. Really great for hamstring. Yeah, and so I just remember being contorted in a bunch of different ways, but with like these props being stuck under my back or stuck under my neck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which was it supposed to do like add to the intensity of the of the stretch or what? It adds the intensity and then helps change over time change the shape of your spine, basically correct, correct things um, that are going on in your spine, thoracic, really opening up the thoracic area. Um, I just found it really helpful in the hips and in thoracic spine. I always felt good after that class. Yeah, it was almost like getting an adjustment from a Cairo, and you could, you could get a couple cracks here and there. Yeah, if you went pretty hard. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. Like that was Calgary. That was Bedrock CrossFit, if I remember correctly. Yep. That, that was going on. Yeah. Do a great job at Bedrock. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting that that we went to Calgary initially because I think today you posted something about uh, the border being shut down. Oh my God. Uh, never in a million years did I think that I would be locked out of my country. I, I mean, I consider Canada home. I'm a Canadian citizen. I, you know, I have my green card here. This is home. However, I never thought that I could not get into my country. I think of crazy things happening in the Middle East or some of these communist countries that exist and things being shut down, but never in a million years would I think I live in the U.S. and I'm not able to physically go into Canada right now. Yeah, that kind of sucks. If something happened, if there was an emergency with my family member or friend and I wanted to get to Calgary, I literally can't do that. And they extended the that border closing until for 30 more days from the 21st so really not until the end of june sometime will it be open for travel it's such a shame i just i don't know it it's it's just such a weird time because i want to say it's too much and at the same time it's the unknown so will we really ever know if by all of these measures we're taking, it is stopping any sort of widespread happening from happening again? Or did we just take it too far? You never, you just never going to know. I don't know. I think, you know, data is coming out. There is a great article today that just went through every single data point by state, by country you know, by, I guess, situation, like depending on what the country did, whether they shut down businesses or they didn't shut down businesses, shut down schools, didn't shut down schools. And I mean, most of the data pointed to the fact that it was less than one-tenth of one percent of the population that was negatively impacted or impacted in a really bad way, which of course is, you know, right in line with any sort of respiratory disease that you get throughout the course of the year, whether it's seasonal flu or something else. So, 
I mean, obviously there were areas that were really hard hit, <clears throat> you know, like New York, for example, was really hard hit. Italy. Uh, Italy was really hard hit. But then when you look at the numbers, you know, it was, it was heavily older people or people with compromised um, respiration in some way, shape or form, people with obesity, people fighting hypertension, people with some sort of underlying cause were highly at risk. Anything that mm -hmm. causes you to have to labor to breathe became like a, a big deal. And it turns out there's some correlation. I don't know if this is true or not, but there's some correlation to the impact that the, uh, the COVID-19 virus or the COVID-19 disease, I guess you guess, I guess you'd say had on lungs that were compromised because they lived in areas with certain types of pollutants in the air. Like if particulates were a particular size or smaller then apparently the lungs were compromised. And of course it was, you know, Wuhan, which is, has terrible air quality, New York, another one. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people had predicted that this, that this would happen because of that. I mean, again, it's correlation that doesn't equal causation and there's no proof of that. But that's what uh, it seems to look like from the 10,000 foot view, which has been really interesting. Right. But the thing of it is, is like Canada had what, like five people, <laughs> you know, in total. No, there was more. Um, <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, anyways, it's just, it's just been crazy times. And for the most part, I've been holding myself together. But today I was just, you know, saw a few posts of people and, you know, these people, it was actually Karen Osborne had posted, um, there was like an ad. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what, what it was for, but it was a family taking a selfie and everyone was wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, well, did you, did you see that? I didn't see that. No. Did you say and it was Karen? Yeah. It was just, <clears throat> and it just like gut wrenched me. Really? This is this is where we're going. This is what what we want to portray mm -hmm. that you know, these masks aren't even they're not even they're not even used properly. I mean, you go to the grocery store and people, you know, they have a hard time breathing. They pull them down. They're wearing them top of their head. They've you know, they've got these stupid homemade masks and um it's 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 hurting more than it's helping i think and you know it's it's just crazy so i see that post i saw a few other crazy posts and then and then it was the announcement of the canadian border being shut and i just mm -hmm. was thinking about all of this and felt you know i have no control over any of it and i'm feeling i was just felt frustrated and overwhelmed and I'm washing dishes and I just had tears coming down and started bawling my eyes out <laughs> until you came around and you're like, what is, what, what's, what, what's going on? What did I do this time? <laughs> you didn't even know. Just <laughs> emotions flying on my part and you were, uh, you just walked into it. Yeah. That's basically, I'm feeling better now. I it felt good to get a cry out really. Mm hmm. That was a pretty serious cry you had. You pretty much drenched my shirt, I think. Yeah, thanks for letting <laughs> me cry on your shoulder. It it was just it was needed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
What were you thinking? Like you just like you were worried about your family or not being able to see them, or just it like wasn't frustration with the whole thing, or what? It was just that this frustration I had, this overwhelming frustration I was feeling about like what is going on in the world and the way life has changed and will be changed for. Well, we're, it's never going to really go back to what they say, back to normal, like a new normal. It's just, I don't even call it a new normal. I just call it a, a back to, it, it come to this irrational, crazy, stupid type of living. That's what I call it, well, right? Where people are afraid to shake hands and, you know, I love hugging people and I see people and you have to be, a, this is like this crazy, awkward, oh. Um, can, are you okay? You want to hug? <laughs> Should I hug you? Are you not, you're, will you be offended? You know, I, um, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I went to the grocery store and there was stupid freaking arrows. You got to walk down this way and nobody's following the arrows. But then there's always that one person that's in the aisle that is totally offended. That shouldn't even be there. If right. you are feeling so threatened and scared, Stay at home and order online. Mm-hmm. Get someone else to go get your groceries, right? Don't come to the grocery store with your stupid rubber gloves and your face mask and your, you know, your crazy scared eyes and your sanitizer coming out of the yin yang. And like, it's no way to live a life. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And that the thought, so I was just sitting there thinking, like, is this really the type of life that I'm going, is the world I'm going to be living in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I get, yeah, there's been a lot of great stories and amazing things made and incredible amounts of wealth transferred and all sorts of wonderful things. But fuck that. I, I, I just want to have some sort of normal what do you say normalcy normal sure why not normalness it's a word now i just want the like the good old days like growing up (laughs) growing up in the 80s days kind of thing the good old days i like it yeah anyway i don't know I think that's the most you've ranted about this since uh, since it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of keeping it all in. Yeah, you have been. I don't think you even shared any of that with me prior to now. Well, now you know. <laughs> well, now I know, exactly. I have been warned. Yeah, it is a little crazy when you go out and you kind of see how things are and think about how they were, and then people start talking about how we're, it's never going to go back to the way it was. I don't see why it wouldn't go back to... To, to normal you know i mean obviously there are people who are at risk and those people have every legitimate you know reason to be as cautious and as careful as possible but I, as you said those people can keep themselves separate from other folks i mean it's not that hard for them to do with today's world especially but there's really so much divide in and this highlighted it and i think that a lot of the divide is political it, oh, the person I think that most people most people are on the left side that are, you know, locked down for four more months and don't leave your house and okay, so the Democrats are wanting, you know, <laughs> they want to make you think that everyone is 
a part of this and you're actually getting to vote vote for things, but they're going to dictate to you that you can't actually go out and run your business and you're going to stay locked down at home. Like that's, that's a dictatorship. <laughs> that's not democracy. Okay. Right. Democrats. Like it, it's totally ridiculous. And I'm not one to get into this freaking political conversation, but I think it's all starting to just come out of my freaking your noodle, my noodle now. Like <laughs> I, you know, I don't like to get into the, those kind of conversations because you can't have a conversation most times with someone that's on the left, far left, especially because they're completely, they don't allow any other ideas. Mm. Right. And I, I, I just want to understand facts. Sure. Really. I don't want to jump into anything and that's what I've learned over the years. And I just want to, okay, what are the facts and what's, what are the sides and what could be the best course of action? Sure. Yeah. And it, it, it's not that this, this fear mongering that's come out has created a lot of cra- crazy people. I mean, people are acting irrational. They're, it, it's incredible to, incredible to me that they're just following like sheep and just going with, oh, because Fox News said you have to do this and this is happening in the world that, that that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy. I, I think about the one, this one guy posted, you know, he, and who knows if this is even true, but he posts, you know, this picture and he says, that's me in line in Texas two years ago. And Fox just posted, posted or whatever i don't know if it's cnn i think it was cnn just posted saying that here are the long lines to get into wherever and it was not even a picture from like what current is currently happening they literally took a photo that they must have found from previous whatever years ago just to fit the story that they wanted to tell, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, all these crazy people and lines and just like putting fuel on the fire of the fear that that's happening. And people just watch news and they think it's real and they don't question it. And it's just stupidity. Yeah. TV educated is probably one of the worst educations you can have. I think. God. (laughs) And no, like I have, we have, you know, of several people I've talked to, front frontline, you know, nurses, doctors, people that I know, friends that I've interacted with, and you know, they they say it's just been it's just been empty. It's been it's been dead. They've been preparing and preparing and preparing for the worst, which is great. But they, you know, now they're like getting their hours cut. They they had been getting their hours cut because you know, everything else for the hospital was canceled. So there's nothing to do. Yeah. Just waiting for people with COVID to come in. Right. So that, that whole, and then there's that whole, you, you, you got flattened by a steamroller and died, but on your death certificate, it says you died of COVID. (laughs) 
That part of, that's partly because of the stimulus bill, though. You know, Elon Musk was talking about this on the podcast with uh, Joe Rogan. And, you know, if you look at the stimulus bill, there's actually a provision in there that basically says if a hospital certifies a death certificate with COVID, you know, that they basically get more money than they would have had they not, right? And so if you're a hospital and you're at 30% capacity where you furloughed doctors and nurses and you've, you know, canceled all elective procedures and, you know, you've got people waiting in the wings wondering where their next check has come from, but yet all your bills are still coming due. What are you going to do? Like, it's just, it's one of those moral quandaries where, Hey, it's the government's going to give me free money if I just say this. And so the incentive is wrong. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the old saying, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? It's like, we want to incentivize hospitals to take care of people with COVID, but Hey, Oh, by the way, we accidentally incentivized the wrong behavior here. And therefore, the numbers might be skewed because of that. But it, but it was cool that the uh, CDC finally started breaking out COVID-only deaths versus COVID with underlying morbidities, right? Like hypertension and heart disease and diabetes and, you know, acute respiratory syndrome and all the rest of it got broken out, which was really nice. And you saw the numbers get cut basically in half when that happened. And so, I mean, yeah, COVID is nasty and COVID can be a, a nasty contributing factor, but was it really the fault of COVID if you didn't take care of yourself and you smoked and you, you know, ate too much and you never took care of your immunity and all of a sudden this thing comes along and it takes you out because you have trouble breathing. Is that really the fault of nature? You know, I I don't, I don't necessarily think so. You know, I don't know. There's just Mm -hmm. all of this attention and this fear is happening about this that's going on. And there's more people dying of many other things, right? At the end of the day, like, your family member, your friend, whoever died, that's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. They died. Mm-hmm. Whether they died from COVID or they died from cancer, they died from freaking falling off of a plane or whatever it was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> However, they died. They died, and it's a horrible thing, right? right? And, and so it's whatever, you know, wherever this, all the focus is going, all this, all this, fire and all this craziness is 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 it's i mean the, the vir- the real virus here is the, fi- the fear right, right and the lies and the you know like i like to say over exaggeration mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of things <laughs> you know yeah so i don't know it more time will tell the story even more and I could be a total asshole and this thing's going to wildly break out and it's going to be a crazy pandemic. It hasn't happened yet. Who knows? Because we flattened the curve, man. All problems we are We flattened solved. the curve. Uh, we flattened the curve. I don't know. Anyways, you know, at the end of the day, I can also say it was a little bit of a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. The lockdown, the whole lockdown thing was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Why do you say that? Well, I had surgery in February and I needed time to recover and heal and I needed a good I needed a good 8 weeks. Well, I I realized I needed a good 8 weeks after 8 weeks went by and I was finally starting to feel like myself. Mm-hmm. But um you know, it was 3 weeks after the surgery, I was trying to go back to work and I already was 
crazy stressed out about, you know, the role I had taken on at work and it was a high stress job and there was a lot of hours involved and, and I was, you know, on my feet a lot and it was a physical, fairly physical job. So getting, um, you know, leaving that job and then being in COVID lockdown, literally right at the same time, I, I had, all I had to do was relax and heal. And, um, I slept some long evenings. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Like you put 12, in some hour, 12 hour, uh, I put in some 12 hour sleeps and it was, um, I didn't have to feel guilty about not getting up and trying to figure out what's the next thing and what's the next job and I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. I didn't have that, um, because well, the world was shut down, right? We could go to Walmart and Home Depot actually. (laughs) However, you can really go anywhere else. So it was um, it was the best thing for me because it really forced me to um, take the time to relax and, and recover and heal. Um, and that's what I did and until we started on our home renovation projects and finally finish our renovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after made some serious two, progress. Was it two years or three years? Uh, that two, we started a little two years ish, I think. Yeah, two two and a half years actually. Two and a half years. Yeah. So I can officially say it took a pandemic, but <laughs> we finally <laughs> to finally get us to finish our renovation. Well, um, for us to take time out as we yeah. were doing other things, you, you were working. Yeah, I was working. You were working, and so we we basically were forced to actually take stock of where we were and what was left. And so there we go, off yeah. to the depot, you know, getting the work done every day, putting down the floor, hanging molding, whatever it was. And everybody else that didn't that didn't have to work seemed like they had the same idea because Home Depot was Home packed. Home Depot was packed, yeah, for sure. And they, uh, and they closed at 6, which sucked because it would be 6 o'clock and we'd be in the store and it would be full. There would be so many people in there trying to, you know, get whatever they need. And they'd be kicking us out. Yeah, that's true. Everyone was trying to put up the, you know, the optics of, oh, we're doing our part to make sure that COVID doesn't spread. But at this time, I don't know if people may not even remember this, but when everything got locked down, like all the small businesses got locked down, but not the bigger businesses, they stayed open throughout that whole time. They had nobody counting people going in, counting people going out like they do now. They had nothing marked off. They had no sanitizers. Nothing. It was it was weeks before that was ever put in place up here. And Home Depot, like the hardware stores were the last ones. I remember going into Lowe's. Lowe's still doesn't have that. I get on like the north, uh, the north side location here that we would go to. They still don't have that in place. And so, you know, now you go. Hopefully they don't. Yeah, well, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, you look back on that and it's like, okay, well, how much you know, how contagious could this thing actually be if people would still go to the grocery store, hit the same keypad, hit the same kiosks, terminals, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. Like, I mean, obviously people have been affected, but nowhere near the numbers that were 
expected. And I think that's where a lot of this frustration comes from, from people like us and other small business owners where, you know, we got locked out of basically creating, uh, you know, a business or an income or providing value to the market. Whereas, you know, these larger companies weren't, but they were actually creating a higher risk than we would in a small business of passing a contagion from one person to the next. I mean, you got thousands of people going through the same kiosk at a Home Depot or a Walmart or whatever the thing is. I don't care how many times you wipe it, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get all of it. If it's there, it's there in in some nook and cranny because, I mean, you see these guys wiping this stuff. It's like half a spray and half a wipe and they're done. You know, they could give two shits. They're just like, we're on to the next thing. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that you know, when you look at what actually happened versus what was expected to happen, that's the disconnect. It's like, oh, we're expecting, you know, 2 million people to die. Okay, well, that's a lot of people. And okay, maybe we should take precautions and maybe we should, you know, lock down. And it's been nowhere, even a fraction near that. So mm-hmm. it, I think policy should match the data. But I think what happens in politics, right? In politics, there is no leadership. The, the only way you can lead from the front in politics is if you go against the will of the people. So the politicians are following the will of the people. If the people are scared because they watch CNN and Fox News and all the rest of them, then the politicians have to mirror that fear so that they can keep their office. They can stay in office. They can stay in power. Right. But it was kind of funny because <laughs> you got the whole left right paradigm and you have the leftists accusing Trump of being a dictator. But then who is it that locks down their states the longest and with the most stringent penalties? It's the leftists. You know, they're like, oh, well, they're criticizing Trump for being a dictator, but I'm going to turn into a dictator on this end because now I have good reason, right? It's amazing to watch people sacrifice what they believe are their values or their characteristics when the characteristics or the environment changes to shift what they think requires it, you know? Right. And so my values are really malleable. Depending on the circumstances, we think this is important, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's insane. And all these different terms that have come out of this are just the most annoying things, like social distancing, <laughs> right? You're essential. I'm a non-essential. You're non-essential. We were non-essential. Right? These just... It makes me cringe, all this stuff. It just makes me cringe. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah. I, I want it all to end and go away. I want it to be 2025 20, 20, or something. I mean, it's going to take years. We're going to be hearing about this forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. I survived the pandemic of 2020. Jesus, 2020. Yeah. People will be talking about it like the Dust Bowl era of like the 1930s. It'll live on in infamy. For but really, I mean, can you imagine growing up during or being living through an actual, you know, like the plague where millions of people died? That's the plague for those of you guys who don't speak Canadian. The plague is the plague. plague. The plague. 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 How do you say it? <laughs> plague. plague. The plague. It's like bagel. You say bagel. bagel. How do you say it? What? Say again. Bagel. Bagel. You don't say bagel? No, it's bagel. Like it's bay. Like ships are in the bay. Bagel. 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 
know. Whatever. Pla- you know pla- what I'm talking about. We have bagels in the plague. <laughs> <laughs> now let's start. Let's talk about sourdough bread. Why do we have to talk about sourdough bread? Because that was a lesson I learned throughout this pandemic, and that also was w- would be part of what I said earlier was a blessing in all this. Oh yes, of course. Was I had the time to watch a million, literally a million YouTube videos on how to make sourdough bread. I became obsessed with teaching myself. Mm-hmm. I took took two weeks and I grew my own starter. And each week, once my starter was ready, I've made sourdough bread just about every seven to 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I have mastered Sour, I even have a journal with mm. all my my sourdough notes and details. Well, you you I mean this is funny because it is a good it's a great point and a great segue, right? Because we talk a lot about creating human excellence and creating you know beautiful things in the world and you know how can we bring forth our best selves, right? And we had this situation now where people have all this time on their hands. And so the question is, how did you use it productively? And of course, one of your gifts is you're very talented in the kitchen. Like you can cook anything, create anything. You you know, you grew up with uh, in an Italian family where your mom owned a restaurant for 30 years. So you got the whole cookbook and here you are. You're like using you use this time to create something beautiful. And it really is. We'll have to post photos of it. Maybe like the graphic for the show can be a picture of sourdough <laughs> bread. The one I made today. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um there and I think that maybe even a blessing to the whole world is a lesson of slowing down, finding the joys in in doing, you know, being with family, connecting, connecting. Um, maybe it's gardening, maybe it's baking or cooking or being. You know, obviously, so many people have had to cook more at home. Um, and I'm sure some people just hated it and maybe some people found a new passion or love in in creating something like Mm -hmm. that, um, for their family and connecting. And again, I think of like growing up in, you know, the good old days when you, you know, you went out to the farm, you, you grew your crops, you took care of your animals and you prepared your food and you prepared, you know, you had prepared a life for yourself. And, and I think there's, um, there's a lot of pride in that. I think of the pride that I have just with our home in that we laid, you know, we laid the floor together. Well, you mostly laid the floor and then I helped. I mostly laid the floor. <laughs> yeah. I, I helped lay the floor in, <laughs> and uh, I you painted like the 10%. cabinets yeah. and just creating, having a vision, having the idea, making it, creating it, and then ha- being able to enjoy it at the end. Yeah. You know, I get to do that at a micro level each time I'm in the kitchen. Sure. And, um, and that's exciting and that brings me joy. And um, maybe I think a lot of people in the world have found new joys. And I bet you, um, as a result, a lot of people will probably change their lives in a, 
take it in a new direction, whether they decide, well, sometimes maybe they're forced because they lost their job and sometimes sure. they'll just, they're, they decided, well, I'm not going to go back to that job because I had the time to think about what I really want to do. And mm-hmm. um, so I think there's, there, there's a lot of positive for sure. Yeah. Um, out of all the craziness that's ha- happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of it, well, well, most of it's been forced, right? And when you say forced, what do you mean by that? You just mean well, by, by circumstance, you know, like if, people are forced to stay home. Like if or, you're in the hospitality industry, like, oh yeah, you were shut like down myself, completely. you know, you're a server, you're a bartender, you're working in the, the restaurant industry. Like you're, you're not going to work, right? Yeah, Unless you're, you're, maybe you're lucky and you're in the back of house and you're working in the kitchen, but you're not doing the volume. So like hours are cut, you know, there's takeout, but then, you know, even takeout's not, not probably doing the, the volume and the sales that are, you know, the restaurant would have done before, before. So, right. So forced in that you're locked down, you're going to have to stay at home. Now what? So what now what? Yeah. Unemployment and figure out what the hell you want to do. Or <laughs> you don't get unemployment because, well, you can't get through the unemployment office. and You're too far back in the line is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you're too far back in the line. Or there's no more money. Like the money ran out, you know. Like it's just, uh, anyways, um, back to the positive things and the learnings and the, you know, the different things that people have pivoted and people have changed their businesses. And I think some, some would have, well, they would have never done that or they were forced to go more online and now they're online and they've probably with their business have actually created more freedom. And Mm -hmm. I think of a lot of offices that have, had their employees continue to work from home or probably realize, holy crap, I don't need to pay this massive. Could have been doing it all along. Massive rent for this office space when I can get the same thing done, cut my overhead costs, like probably by 30%. Right. In some cases, have people work from home. 100%, yeah. Everyone's, everyone will be happier. I think most, I think more people, and, and I think this went on long enough that new habits were formed, and at first they might have hated it. And, you know, imagine working from home, but the kids are at school. It's going to be a little bit better than working at home, and the kids are there, and, you know, they're in the house right, constantly. Right. That, that That's a little disruptive. But once people, once school gets back and going, I think that it'll be a great thing. You know, less traffic. Like, gee. That, that was a big deal, right? That's a lot of people huge. noticed that the clouds over the western cities, the, you know, the, the, the exhaust fumes and all the rest of it had sort of dissipated. You know, people were talking about, I mean, L.A. is a fucking armpit. I mean, and if, if you, you know, I don't know why anyone would want to live there, but there are people who actually enjoy living there, and they were talking about how, you know, the air quality had improved drastically. I mean, even here in Phoenix, where we're on a tiny scale relative to the L.A. area, like the air quality improved, I think, over the city pretty significantly oh, yeah. as well. 
So it's amazing how quickly things change when we just change our behavior for a short period of time. I think that the earth was able to heal too because it didn't have all these humans out there yeah. burning resources. Yeah, for sure. So Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this whole thing is going to eventually be a, an afterthought for most people. You know, I know there's still a lot of fear in certain populations, you know, people who are high risk, so to speak. But I feel like a lot of that is going to dissipate as time goes on, because at the end of the day, I mean, I know there were some vaccine trials that came out today that were positive where a vaccine had created antibodies in a couple of, of uh, organisms. But um, they were talking about 18 to t- 18 to 24 months for a vaccine. I mean, we don't even have a vaccine for the last, you know, thing that came through, which was I think was H1N1 or. SARS or MERS or one of them, we don't have vaccines for any of that stuff. So, I mean, for it to be that quick, that's pretty, that's pretty promising. And so the question I always had for people who are, you know, um, you know, sort of huddling in a hole is like, what's your plan? You're going to stay home forever. Like you're going to stay home until a vaccine becomes available. You're going to risk it. Like, you know, what do you do? You know, if you're that person who is at risk and has a lot of fear and can't come back, you know, like on some level, I feel for that person you know, and I don't want to see that person harmed, just like I don't want to see anyone harmed. But by the same token, you know, are you willing to live the rest of your life in this, you know, looking at the same four walls kind of a thing Mm -hmm. when your only way out is exposure, whether it's through a vaccine or through the the virus itself, right? Yeah. Like herd immunity, just having the population get it. And then once you get it, you're, you're golden. Right. Well, maybe you maybe. hope <laughs> you may not be golden. Yeah. You might be cold and dead. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You might be cold and dead and six feet under. But yeah, I mean, and just in terms of lifestyle, I don't think people are going to accept not hugging in public or not shaking hands or, you know, not being in close proximity. We're already seeing it, right? Like all these restaurants that are supposed to be quote unquote social distancing, they're not right. Like you go there and people are hanging out, they're chatting, they're talking they're congregating just mm-hmm. like they normally would, right? So I think people are going to, you know, I think the terms, as much as the terms are silly, you know, will survive and they'll probably turn into a bad joke, really, at the end of the day. But I don't see a new normal being one in which people don't interact with one another. That's just not human nature. I mean, we're we're social animals from top to bottom. And whether you are an introvert or extrovert, on some level you want interaction with other human connection beings. yeah you gotta have that connection yeah the human connection is a powerful thing and totally it's n- that's not going away no definitely not i don't see a lack of connection being a new normal but that's what i mean and again you and i were smart enough to not have cable television news in our house but it's everywhere so you know you do get a, do- a dose of it when you're online so i mean granted you can control that but that seems to be what they're pushing in that narrative that, you know, we're never going to be able to go back to normal and that we're going to track every, everywhere you go and we're going to be taking your temperature when you walk into a restaurant and, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to know who you came in contact with. And, I mean, I just it just seems completely untenable, you know, completely it's outrageous. It's wild and crazy. Yeah, it is wild and crazy to think that we live in an era where that would be acceptable. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like you look through, you look at human history, right? And you go back as far as you can go back and you see early tribes developing 
And people stayed together in cohesive groups because there was the power of the tribe. You could feed one another. You could leverage one another's talents, you know, whether it was taking care of children or, or gathering food or hunting or whatever the thing was. There, was. there was some bit of a better life being together. And that's ingrained in us from the word go, right? Mm-hmm. And then as those tribes grew lo- larger and larger, you know, governments or leaders developed, right? And those leaders basically took as much as they possibly could from the people. You know, if you think of like era of um, like kings, for example, like you paid a tax to be protected by the king kind of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you had no real freedom if the king decided he wanted your head and he took your head. You know, and as we've gone through history, people have been left more and more and more to their own devices. But it seems like all this talk of, of, you know, like social distancing and lockdowns and staying away from one another is the exact opposite of that. So as we've gone through time, you know, and we've had oppressive governments, oppressive regimes, and we've rebelled against that to get freedom, to get more liberty, and then to see something like this come along and to, to, to see people get so scared that they would give up their freedom immediately and subserve, I guess, subordinate themselves to the will of, you know, a few people in power, that's disheartening because mm-hmm. our trajectory was increasingly free, increasingly adding liberties, not going the other direction, you know, right. breaking free from that, not going back to it. But the, it, the it's, it's funny, like the moment someone promises, I'm going to save your life and give you safety, it's like, okay, well, I'll do whatever you want kind of a thing. That's crazy to me. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't have your health and your life, you have nothing, right? So sure, yeah. it's the one piece of it that, people don't want to mess around with right and originally they were like okay two weeks it'll be for 14 days this lockdown yeah right and how many days total did it end up being a lot yeah it's over it's still going on 50 or 60 i mean it's still going on it's you know it's been months Mm -hmm. it was march 15th yeah that was the lockdown was it the march what's the date it's May nineteenth. May nineteenth, yeah. I mean, it's been you know two months or over more. sixty days, mm-hmm. from two weeks to sixty days, and still going really. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know really if there, if it could have happened any other way, given the fire that was fanned, you know, in the in the media. I mean, listen. Let's be honest, right? Everyone's got a story to sell, not a story to tell. That's right. What what story can I sell? And then you have to realize most people are not critical thinkers. They're not looking at the CDC data. You know, they're looking at their favorite broadcast news station and they're believing whatever they see there. And then the confusing thing was that on one day, some talking head would say one thing and then on two days later, they would come back and say the exact opposite. Masks work today, but tomorrow they don't work. And then the next day they work again, kind of a thing. Yes. It's like, what do, you, what do you do? Gloves? No gloves, right? And people aren't thinking, you know, it's like gloves, for example, right? We've seen people <laughs> in the grocery store wearing gloves. I've seen people driving their cars wearing gloves. And a mask. And Yeah, and a mask, right? And hey, listen, if that makes you feel safe and you need to feel safe, then kudos. If that keeps your mind quiet and you can function, then kudos. Hey, do your thing, right? Like, I don't care. It's not impacting me. 
but think about the, like, if you think about the purpose of gloves, for example, that's just to prevent cross contamination, right? Like that's why when your doctor comes into your room wearing gloves, they take them off when they leave the room and they throw them away so that whatever they picked up from you stays in the trash can in your room. And then they go wash their hands and go see the next person, you know, but when you're touching everything in the grocery store and you're touching the keypad and you're touching the door and the cart and your car door, and you take all of that stuff home with you, you haven't prevented anything. You've actually they're, probably they're, picked up more. Yeah. And they're actually more, they, they're more filthy. Of they're, course. You know, and you'd have to change gloves every place you went is my point. Crazy. And people aren't doing that. Right. And it's just, and that's the irrational fear. I, th- but I, I mean, it I is, but it's also is running people. Yeah. And, it, but it's also misinformation. You know, people are hearing five different stories, mm-hmm. you know, because I think generally people want to do the right thing. No one wants to be a dick and do the wrong thing or cause, right. you know, caught, you know, like deep down, no one wants to do that. Right. There's always a smart ass in every group, you know, that's usually me. And, and I yeah. get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, like most people, myself included, I would never intentionally endanger someone. Right. Right. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of just misinformation, you know, with the gloves and the masks and all the rest of it. I mean, listen, if I send you a study that shows and, and there the most recent one I showed, like where they took the swab of the exterior of the mask, like people have been breathing through this mask all day long. Mm-hmm. And basically every, you know, um, every virus or bacterium that that person's carrying is on the outside of the mask. Right? It's not inside the mask. Right. <laughs> they're finding the culture that when they culture them, they're, they're on the outside of the mask. Right. So maybe the mask is preventing you from spewing it six feet or three feet or two feet, but it's still coming through. Right. So if you're terrified and you're out and about and you're wearing a mask and you're wearing gloves, you know, hey, listen, if it makes you feel good, great. But let's look at reality. Reality is something's getting through, especially if you're if you're wearing a full beard, (laughs) Yeah. you know, and you've got your nose hanging out the top of the mask, which is what I see a lot of the employees at these companies wearing. Right. Like, so it just kind of defeats the purpose. It's like, all right, is this thing really that bad or are we just kind of going through the motions to make make it look like we're doing something to create some symbolism over substance, right? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. Symbolism yeah. over substance. Yeah, for sure. This has been a crazy time. I mean, I think, I think back on it, I've, I can't remember a time in my life where I've seen so much fear in the population. And I mean, I can think back to like potential nuclear war threats in like the late seventies, early eighties, you know, type mm-hmm. stuff where, I didn't even see people afraid as afraid then as I see people afraid now. I mean, there's literally people who are terrified and I feel for those people and my heart goes out to them. But by the same token, you know, I would want them to, you know, educate themselves and read up and talk to people rather than just being fearful because they saw something on the news because they're not going to get the whole story. They're going to get whatever narrative sells the most advertising for that cable news network, you know? Right. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, totally. But yeah, this year's been nuts. Like, so you had surgery the week of February 10th. It was February 11th. Okay, so you had your surgery on February 11th. At the gym, we had a class three sewage flood (laughs) in the gym. Shitstorm. The day after that, I think. Was it the day of or or the day day before? Day of, it was right around the same time. So you were in surgery. I get a call from CJ, I think or a message from CJ saying the gym is flooded, right? The hazmat squad basically comes in there and they're <laughs> like, well, you got to shut down because this is class three. So then they rip out like 
two feet of every wall, destroy the bathroom. We have like a quarter, you know, or a third of the gym basically unusable. And we're in a smaller space, so we're basically shut down for a week and then another week, and then we start rebuilding. And then as we start rebuilding and come out of it, the COVID thing hits. And so now we're shut down for another, you know, six or eight weeks, whatever it ends up being, right? And now we're just coming out of it. And it's it's nuts because I think back on all of that, and I think about people who didn't have, who have no preparation for a situation like this, you know, people who did lose jobs, people who have lost businesses, lots of restaurants, lots of entrepreneurs, um, you know, fortunately, you know, we're smart enough with our money to have a cushion, you know, and so we're fine and we can get through and all the rest of it. But, you know, I think of most Americans and when I look at the average, you know, most people are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, they've got less than, you know, four or $500 in the bank, right? That's not going to pay your mortgage. And then the government's going to send you a $1,200 check, maybe, mm-hmm. right? And what if your mortgage is 1600 bucks, right? What's that going to do? Not much of anything. And yet the people who are getting paid throughout this, all these government lackeys who are getting paid are telling you to stay home. Right. You know, yeah. all the people that are not being financially, you know, affected, if anything, yeah, they're not getting more money yeah. working through this. It's crazy too. I mean, like, like Ducey here in Arizona, the governor here, he finally, after looking at some of the data and after I think Trump stepped back from making a decision at the end of April and forced the governors to actually do their jobs and think, you know, now all of a sudden they had to think and Ducey's waiting to the last day of the month to make a decision. Oh, we're going to stay shut down for another 15 days. And of course he goes back on that as more and more, you know, critical thought and data comes out. And finally he fires whatever her name is, Kara something that ran the, you know, sort of data end of things, uh, you know, for like, uh, for diseases and infectious diseases and that sort of thing for the state. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, (laughs) and and so because they're public employees, you got to realize all of their salaries are online. So you can go online and look up what these people make, right? So this one woman, this Kara woman, who's been a director for, this organization and that organization who's telling everybody to stay home, she gets paid $215,000 a year, you know, to tell you to stay home. So she's making $15,000, $16,000 a month telling the guy who makes 15 bucks an hour that he can't go to work, you know, and and not a single one of them came forth and refused their salary to my knowledge. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's just underhanded in, in my opinion. You know, it, it's like Thomas Sewell says, you know, there's no worse way of making decisions than to put those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. And that's the, the situation we're in. Now, I get it. Listen, like when, when, the, when the information was first coming out and you're like, okay, listen, you know, two million people could die. That's a very different situation. And that warrants caution and that warrants a hard look at what could potentially happen. So you're in a tough spot, right? You don't know at the beginning. You don't know right? You really have no knowledge. You don't know how it's going to impact your population. If your population is going to respond differently, if it's going to spread like wildfire you get all these crazy stories out of New York. And so it just makes sense that you err on the side of caution. But then after the data comes out and you learn more about it, then policy needs to shift, you know, from critical thought, you put a little critical thought in policy needs to shift. And then from there you go into this place of, okay, well maybe the data is telling a different story, and so because the, the story is different, we need to change our policy, but not just be beholden to this thing because just because, right? Right. 
But I think what, what happened is I feel like the politicians who made these decisions, right? These are dire decisions. You know, hundreds of restaurants destroyed here in Phoenix, hundreds of small businesses. You know, fortunately, again, across North Phoenix, we had a cushion so we could survive a little bit. You know, we had a little bit of a cushion. We could make it through a few months. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you have these people who destroyed lives, destroyed livelihoods, took away jobs from people. And now it's like, oh, the data didn't warrant what we did. Well, what are they going to say? Sorry. Yeah. Just go back to normal. No, they can't do that, right? So they have to back out slow. They have to back away from it to (laughs) save face. Exactly. Right. They have to make it seem worse than it is. So how do we do it? Well, we back out. Everyone wears a mask at a store and, you know, and this and this and this. And you've got to have a a sticker on the ground that tells people to stay two carts from the person in front of them or whatever the thing is. Right. And and to me, it feels like that's what's happening now. It feels like they're trying to back away because the data didn't fit the narrative and they erred on the side of caution, and which I get, I understand. But I think that as a leader, you should take pride in doing the right thing, not necessarily the expedient thing or the thing that makes you save face. Right. You know, so much of life, we talk about this a lot in the personal development world is about looking good. You know, I, I have this looking good program and every politician has this looking good program, a desire to look good to people. Whether it's the right or wrong decision, you still have to look good. This is the same reason that people stay in an argument that they've already lost, right? You already lost the argument. Shut the fuck up, right? You're just trying to save face at this point. You're trying to look good to everybody watching and everyone, you know, on the outside looking in. Just own it because then you're stronger. Then you have more responsibility. Then you can be accountable. And from that place of strength, you can learn something. But I think a lot of people come from this place of, I have to know And I think that's super dangerous, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you have to know, you can never learn, right? I posted a bunch of stupid shit when I was first learning about this. And someone would come in and say, oh, well, this isn't true and that isn't true. And then I would go read what they post and I would be like, yeah, you know, actually it's not true. And I'm an idiot because I believe this or I didn't do all of the research or I didn't know where to look, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't have to remain an idiot. That's the thing that's so fucking frustrating it's like listen you don't have to be right I don't care how you look you know you might care how you look but it's not a feeling that I have about you it's a feeling you have about yourself and I'll have more respect for you if you step into your power and you own what you did or didn't do and say listen we made a mistake or listen the data you know was telling us to do this or telling us to do that so we made this decision now we need to change it and to all of you businesses and people whose lives have been affected I get it. And I want to have some compassion and we want to put together some programs to help you guys get back on your feet or reopen or whatever the thing is. But let's not carry this thing out just so that, you know, the governor can save face or they can look good to other people. You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. 100%. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been such an unknown for everyone. Yeah. That's the hard thing, right? The unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really probably one of the biggest fears for all of mankind is the fear of the unknown. Oh, 100%. And it's probably the underlying fear of all the other fears. Mm-hmm. 100%. Is it, you can tie the unknown to everything. Which makes this fear 
even more super powered, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, um, anyway, I, f I, I, what I hope is that we've turned the corner or what do they say? What's the saying? Turn the corner. Is Turn the saying? corner. That's the saying. Yeah, that's a saying as far that's as I know. Saying. And that's how you say that. We got over the hump. We Yeah, we got over the hump. We turned the corner. Turned the corner. Turned it around. I um I hope that we can start rebuilding the economy and, and people can get their businesses open and life can move into what whatever this new direction is of the of life mm -hmm. and um take the lessons apply them in in our new new way of life oh yeah 100 looks yeah absolutely absolutely i think no one's going to walk away from this without thinking differently about situations where people are scared you know we it's funny we we really got to see who believes what what right like people talk about their freedom or they talk about their liberty or they talk about this and that and the other thing but then on when some shit hits the fan like this and now they're scared all of a sudden all of that goes out the window it's like no we need people to take care of us we need to be led we need to be dependent we need to have somebody else making our decisions and it's like well, you, weren't you the same person who was just telling me that government shouldn't be in my life and, you know, and mm -hmm. leave me alone and all the rest of it. And now you're doing a complete 180. Why? Well, because you don't really believe the bullshit that's falling out of your mouth and you need to check in on that. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't go spouting off when things are good and then suddenly do a 180 when things are not. That's how I think it's one of those situations that reveals character. And you know, that's why we do hard things in life, you know, so that we can find out who we really are. Because at the end of the day, the truth is every single one of us has a dark side. Every single one of us can be a total asshole. Every, every single one of us can be completely evil and mean. And at the same time, every single one of us has the capacity to create happiness and joy and live this beautiful life and put life into the world and light into the world and make people's lives better. The question is, is circumstances, are th is that what you're going to use to allow yourself to express, choose which one to express? Mm -hmm. You know, if your circumstances are dire, are you going to be that person who becomes an asshole? Or if circumstances are dire, are you actually going to live into the principles of, of staying positive and breathing life and putting light into the world, you know? That's the thing that, that's really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trial by fire, man. Trial by fire. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll all save a little bit better. What do you mean, like money? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Having experienced this, and, and now, I mean, the people that were affected, because again, I think they said like 80% of the population financially weren't, weren't affected. They continued to work. 80%? Yeah. That's a huge number. Yeah, so... I mean, people continued to work and continued to get paid and they were just inconvenienced in other ways in their life. Um, and then you had about 20% of the population that are out of work. That, I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's, that was, a, I didn't, I didn't research that or anything. I just heard it and uh, it makes sense, you know. It seems awfully high that that many people kept working 
We think you've got police, you know, all of the the nurses, doctors, police, all the emergency well, services, all the government mostly worked. Maybe some government offices no, were lots closed of paper down. pushers were shut down, like the IRS, for example, right? Right. The very people who are supposed to be processing your tax returns so you could get your twelve hundred dollar right. check, right? They're yeah. shut down. They're shut down. Yeah. A lot of you know, a lot of office lawyers and all you know, all sort of office bases had people just work from home. Well, that's true, yeah. Um, it was really I mean what the hospitality industry that just got crushed. Got murdered, yeah. Really sure. got murdered. And, you know, it pains my heart to think about all of the small, great, you know, restaurants that are permanently closed because of this. And there were some big ones, right? There's such small margins in restaurants. Mm-hmm. You just, and it, you got to have... You got to have owned the building and have the cash in the bank and really be, you know, situated in a good place. And if you didn't get help, you know, from the government, like the PPP loans, the different things that came out, if you... That's not really help, though. I mean, that, I mean, listen, let's be honest. Like, if you, if you're a small business and you take on debt, and, and granted, I think a small percentage of it was forgivable. But if you're a small business and your cash flow is already lean and you take on debt, you haven't helped yourself. You know, right. you've just gone further into the hole and now you've created more of a, an expense every month. And, and this is the thing people don't understand. They're like, oh, well, you're getting help from the government. Well, maybe. Right. But you can't rely on that because the last thing you want to do is get on the, the wrong side of the government because then they can come after you and take whatever they want, whenever they want, basically. And so at the end of the day. I think there's a tremendous misunderstanding of how business works for the average person. Mm-hmm. The The disconnect between employee and entrepreneur is massive, massive. I mean, you, you know, you talk these guys locally here, Amped Coffee, for example, you know, they were running this tiny little trailer trying to serve coffee to people out of this tiny little trailer because they couldn't open their business and their landlord is still charging them rent. <laughs> you yeah. know, you got to sell a lot of coffee to cover a $5,000 rent payment. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's before you pay labor and the rest of your bills. Well, in the end, we're all going to pay for it because some way, some form, it's going to be higher taxes or the government's just going to print a ton of money and then inflation's going to hit us and everything's going to cost more. And I mean, we're all going to pay for it in, in, in the end, all of this. Well, people who are unprepared will definitely pay for it. If you structure your financial life correctly, you can thrive through an inflation. For example, like, you know, in the real estate world, if you own real estate during an inflation, you know, your home values are going to rise, your rents are going to rise. And if you're, if you're sitting on fixed debt, then your debt stays the same. So you can actually, the arbitrage between the two, between your debt and what's coming in is actually greater. Like you, you can earn more money. And this is why most of the millionaires who sit in Congress own real estate and they own oil and gas, right? Of course, they're going to tell you to go get a job, but they own that stuff, whether it's through stocks or whether it's through, you know, direct ownership. They own those things because of the tax breaks and the incentives and the protection from inflation. Mm -hmm. But the average person, and again, I love Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, sort of advice to the average person is don't be average, you know, because you will get fucked sideways if you come at this from a place of, you know, like Susie Orman advice, you know where it's, it's save money and live, live below your means. You're never going to make it. 
with a $2 trillion bailout package and now a $3 trillion bailout package that's proposed. I mean, just look at what's happened, right? In the 70s, you know, in the 70s and 80s, your problems were, governmental problems were measured in millions. In the 90s and 2000s, they were measured in billions. And now we're, here we are in the 2020s and they were measuring them in the trillions. So what, what does that tell you? They're just going to keep printing money and printing money and printing money and printing money when at the end of the day, you know, the actual output of the entire world <laughs> would never repay this debt. So, you know, inflation is coming. And if you own assets that protect you against inflation, you can actually thrive. And that's the message that, you know, anyone listening to this, you know, you should be thinking about, you know, how can you position yourself to thrive in an inflationary environment? How can you position yourself to thrive outside of what you would normally earn in a job? You know, how can you uh, diversify and develop multiple streams of income so that if one dies off, you've got another one coming in, you know, right. that's what, I mean, that's how we've lived. That's how we've saved, um, ourselves in several different, you know, little snafus, whether it's lawsuits or COVID-19 or whatever the thing is, we've had, you know, regular income, we've had business income, we've had rental property income, you know, we've had, um, passive cash flow. Uh, you know, we've had all these different forms of revenue coming in. So then if one is off, we're protected in a different area. Yep. And in that way, we, you know, we, we can weather a storm like this one, if you will. And it's interesting because people think of, you know, money as being, you know, people think of being rich as having money. And that's true. But there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, right? If you're rich and you have a lot of money, congratulations, that's fantastic. But if you sit on that money, it's going to depreciate because of inflation, exactly what you were talking right. about. But if you are wealthy, wealth is measured in time. So that means if you own 10 rental properties and they pay you after bills every single month, you earn six or $8,000, you're wealthy because you can live most of the rest of your life, you know, or, or more off the cash flow generated by an asset that you bought and paid for once. And people get those things confused. The employee looks at that and thinks, oh, well, I want to be rich. They want a lot of money. But someone who's smart would take a lot of money and buy something that cash flows so they don't have to worry about the depreciation of the cash. Right. You know, and that's the thing. I think people, if you're listening to this and you haven't got your financial house in order, we're going to start talking more about that shit. Because I promise you that will make a huge difference in how you see things like this. Not only from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but from a, a protection standpoint stock market is dangerous. I mean, it really is. Yeah, but there's other places you can put your money, you know, and there are other places that you can, you can store wealth so that when you need it, you can access it quickly other than a bank, mm -hmm. you know, cause that, as you saw, there were regulations that the bank put down, like you could deposit this much or withdraw this much. You know, you could do this or you could do that. And it's your money. They're basically telling you how you can access your money. Which is crazy. It's crazy. It's like what happened in Greek, Greece. In Greece, yeah. You know, they can only take out what, like 60 euros. And, and, and all this kind of stuff, stuff like is what's just going to drive the crypto markets. I have, and it feels like there hasn't been a lot of publicity about it. It, it almost seems like the crypto currencies are just. Why do you say that? Why do you think that it's going to drive crypto markets? Well, I think people are going to start looking for more solutions. There, they, I, people are becoming more confident in online, more than ever, online shopping, online everything, working online. Everything is 
online now. School. I mean, didn't the owner of Zoom like increase his wealth in the billions just during these past couple months? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I know, everyone's using Zoom. I know so Bezos and uh, uh, was it Bezos and Amazon, obviously. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, yeah, and he, Gates. Right, everybody hates Bill Gates right now because he's Doctor Vaccine. But right. yeah, I mean, like. So I think people are gonna, you know, are looking for different solutions if they got wiped out, um, or if they didn't get wiped out, but they, you know, felt felt some pain. They're gonna start thinking, okay, well, what are, what are, what's what's the way of the future? Like, what's the what's a new I mean, we're gonna print. You're gonna print up all this money, and then what? Like the value of money, of the dollar, is just gonna. It's worthless. Like it's not matched up against gold anymore. So, I mean, gold people, people buy gold, and people are gonna just start thinking and looking, and if they already haven't, yeah, into different ways of. Um, you know, p- putting their money, and there's going to be a big shift, I think, and I think people are going to be, you know, if you don't, if you don't start learning about the cryptocurrencies and start investing in there, I think you're going to be left in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, why do you think that? <laughs> because it, there's only, you know, you're. Let me help you out here. You you talk about it. Let me help you out. You're the one that's I know what you're taught saying. me. And I know you're like tr- busting at the seams to, to want to talk about it, but I know. No, I'm, I'm not. I just, I want to, I, th- I know what you're saying, but I want to give people a tangible reason, like, or, you know, or not necessarily a tangible reason, but something they can hold on to as to why it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at markets, for example, whether it's real estate or the stock market or the crypto market, and we've talked about this a lot. And this is, I think, what you're getting at. When you look at the old markets like the S&P 500 or the Dow 30 or whatever the thing is, in the early days of those markets, those markets would move. They would move in waves, up and down, in big moves. And so if you, you know, got in at an early, at an early spot after a downward move and you rode it up, you could make money. Or if you got in on the top and you short sold and, and wrote it down and then you could make money that way. You can make money whether it's coming or going, but with computer trading and the quickness with which computers are processing transactions, the markets don't move like that anymore. They move small percentage points, you know, a couple percentage points here, a couple percentage points there, not enough unless you're moving billions of dollars through the, through the market on a daily basis for you to make substantial sums buying and selling. So the average person can't make money buying and selling. But the crypto market, and I posted a lot about this on Facebook as it would move just so people could pay attention. Like it, it will move 20 or 30% in a day. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's unheard of. So if you put money in and, you, and the market's moving, whether it's going up or down, who gives a shit? You can, always, you can always buy at the bottom or short sell at the top. Either way the market goes, you can win. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that people, I think, would be better off putting money in something that is volatile, you know, but volatile is one of those words that people use to scare you into the stock market. It's very stable. 
That's a very stable market, and it, and you're gonna get six to eight percent return per annum. You know, okay, six to eight percent return per year after fees on this shitty 401k that you put me in is what maybe half a percent a year. Yeah, I'll never retire, and basically I'm making Wall Street rich because they get to make money every time they they uh, transact. So those damn fees, man. <laughs> damn fees. But then the and the shitty thing is they don't have to tell you what they're charging you in fees. They just give you a net return. And so it's you know it's really a it's really a shitty thing. And at the end of the day, most people don't take the time to learn this stuff. So guys, if you haven't, I would highly recommend picking up Tony Robbins' book on uh, wealth. I forget the name of it, but he talks about this and he interviews people like Ray Dalio, who understands how the market works. You know, and these are guys who've built billion dollar companies and can tell you exactly how funds work from the inside out, right? And what legalities they, or hoops they can jump through to avoid, you know, disclosing everything that they earn and actually make money with your money and that you never see, which is really mm -hmm. kind of underhanded. So I think, I think the transparency of the crypto market, the transparency of the fact that the market moves up and down on a daily basis is one of those things that's really attractive to someone who is young and who can pay attention and, you know, who knows how to basically set up a Coinbase account, you know, and throw a hundred bucks in there and swing trade, you know, you buy on day one and you sell on day three, or you buy on day four and you, and you sell on day eight, you just swing trade up and down and you can move the balance of your account really quickly, you know? And so it's, it's a fun, easy sort of low barrier to entry way to get into the markets and understand how they move. Mm -hmm. You know, you just can't do that in the stock market. It's just too big, too slow, too fat, you know, it's just, you're not going to be able to compete with a computer algorithm that's trading, you know, billions of dollars worth of stocks per second. It's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Is that what you wanted to say? Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> I think my whole, um, thought process around the idea was just that because of what's happened in the world with this COVID thing, people are going to start looking for solutions in different ways and they're, they're going to ha have experienced hardship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing, mm -hmm. right? If you don't experience the pain, then you really, I mean, you don't get a chance to build the character, build, really build something strong. Right. You just if I believe that having hardships and adversity and experiencing hard things mm -hmm. is is good for you. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. And you can read about it and you can think about it <laughs> and you can talk about it, but it doesn't do shit like you <laughs> have to experience it. That's, That's right. my whole thing. No, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. And so now that you really know what you know, I mean, all the times that you lectured me about spending money and don't, you know, don't spend your money and save your money. Oh, me? Lecture you <laughs> about spending <laughs> you, money? Come on. You've carried me a long ways since we've uh, first met uh, along the lines of finances. And, and um, you know, when I heard the lectures from my parents, they grew up from a, you know, a dirt floor and they created what they have in their life today yep. because they saved and they, you know, um, and bought real estate. 
And I ha- honestly, yeah, like I don't have Your mom's a real estate tycoon she, up in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. And so I just think now, like I've really experienced what what it would be like and you know you and not even like I never really got got to ground zero because (laughs) you've saved me but to some degree like this is this has helped me really solidify what I've been learning and how important it is to position yourself so that um, these kind of things happen right you know, and it, if it's not a pandemic, it could be a health situation. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, something comes up and, you know, living here now, I'm, I'm understanding, you know, the craziness of the, the health system and the costs compared to living in Canada where, you know, I had surgery in Canada and I never saw one bill and I, you know, when I had to hit the hospital and didn't have health insurance back in December and then get this crazy, you know, two crazy bills in the mail, you know, weeks later, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, it's, it's insane. And I hear, you know, heard so many stories and people, you know, they've got their GoFundMe page because they have $300,000 worth of debt at the hospital. And it's like, how does that even happen? And I realize, oh, it happens. And it happens really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the result of markets not being allowed to work, right? You walk into a hospital and there's no menu of services. It's just like, we're going to do this to you. And then we won't even tell you how much we're going to charge you to do it. And we're going to bill your insurance company and you'll, you'll never know how much it costs until after the fact. I mean, what did the, what did the, what a stupid fucking way to do any sort of business, whether it's healthcare or, you know, selling eggs at the farmer's market. Like it doesn't matter. It's like the dumbest possible way that anyone could do business. And then when you had Obama create Obamacare where everyone had to buy insurance, now insurance became a monopoly. Everybody's rates went through the roof. They could charge whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. You had to buy it, right? Like, made it worse. It's insane. It's in, it's crazy. It's insane. And, you know, it was supposed to help everybody and, you know, get everybody all insured. And, of course, anything government does has the opposite effect of what it's intended to. So it's crazy. And, I mean, I, I don't at all support the monetary side of the way healthcare is done in the U.S. But I will say that the quality of care here is is amazing. I think you'd say that too, having had a surgery, a major surgery in Canada and now a major surgery here. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely I was taken care of and I was able to get through quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in Canada, it took it took a long time. Oh, yeah. It took a year for I was on the emergency list right yeah Um, the emergency list was a year (laughs) yeah that's crazy so but I mean there's pros and cons to both systems and uh I just think it was crazy that you know when you told me when I had that one bill it was like eighteen hundred dollars and you were like just call them and tell me you didn't have insurance (laughs) and deal I was like what like you wheel and deal these kind of things and so I called, and sure enough, I was like, listen, I don't have health insurance. Is there anything you can do to give me a break on this bill? 
And the guy's like, oh, well, let me see what you had done. And he looks at it and he's like, well, you know, your bills, it was like $1,799. He's like, well, since you don't have insurance and if you can pay by credit card right now over the phone, it's going to (laughs) be $300. Exactly. I was like, what? Which you would have no problem paying, right? Like, what was that for? Like an MRI or something? I, I I think I that was the radiology. I think it was like the, the oh, yeah, ultrasound yeah. and ultrasound, the, the CT scan, CT scan and yeah. that sort of thing. All so the scans. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you, you just gave me like a fifth, you know. Because it was going to be billed to your company and you would never see it, right? The insurance company would then pay, right? And you'd never see the bill. Like, that's what they're hoping just like with your hospital stay on your bill, it said what, like $75,000, $75,000. And then How discounted many days was I in the hospital, three days <laughs> discounted what? $66,000 yeah. or some shit like insurance that. paid $3,200 <laughs> co-insurance paid $1,200. We paid cash, right? $3,500. So bucks. still the hospital got 35, seven, eight, almost $10,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but they had billed seventy five thousand dollars, right? And then they they discounted. It said discounted sixty six thousand dollars, which makes zero sense whatsoever. Like, how does that happen? I mean, that doesn't happen in a world where everything is working on a market. Like you would never, I would never go to the market, and the guy would be like, "Yeah, that that dozen of eggs is one hundred and fifty dollars." Oh well, I don't have insurance for eggs. Could I get them for ten? Oh, well, let me look here and see. I mean, how stupid is that, it's right? Just, yeah, it's just crazy. And, and the weird thing, too, I find is that every service is different and billed separately. Yeah. So you get your radiologist billed, your, you get the hospital bill, and you get the surgeon bill, and then you get the, you know, anesthesiologist mm-hmm. bill, and there's all these, it's all separate. They're all different people, yeah. And, and I still think, I'm pretty sure... I'm probably going to see, we're going to see bills show up on the doorstep here. That's your middle name, isn't it? Bills? (laughs) Christina Bills Archer? Christina Bills. (laughs) I make bills. (laughs) I make dollar bills and I create (laughs) bills. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, I'm grateful for, for us and for you. Grateful for you too. And, uh, it's we we lived the most together than we've ever lived <laughs> yeah in yeah. this uh during this time yeah i mean this time really i mean there's been some stress in and around the business side of things like will our tenants pay rent this month for example you know or you know will i be able to reopen the gym you know we have multiple businesses going right and so it's like okay well we've got a couple different lines of income you know you're i remember you being all worried that day um, about money. And I'm like, I got just relax. Everything's going to be all right. And then I like, you know, I just transferred money from a foreign account into our account, you know, <laughs> I'm like, everything's covered. Everything's cool. We're fine. You know? And it's, it's fun to like, it's fun to play the money game. Like when you know how it works, like, listen, you got a little money rat hold here and there, you know? And if I need to dip into it, I go dip into it. Right. And if we had to, we could sell a rental property. Like we're, we're not ever going to be in a situation where we're, you know, destitute or, are in need of, you know, of some crazy amount of money. It's just not going to happen. We have too many different lines, you know, working in our favor. And this is what I challenge everyone listening to this to get going, right? Like don't have your income or your wealth tied to one source. 
because you never know when it can be taken away from you. And yeah. government can take it away from you with a stroke of a pen. They've done it many times. So don't think that you're protected because you work for the state or because you think you have a pension plan. Plan. I mean, the fact is most pension plans are broke. And if you're my age and going to retire in 20 years or whatever it is, you ain't getting nothing. Or if you get something, it's not going to be worth what you, you thought it was going to be worth. 200 or, bucks a month. Well, even if it's 1200 yeah, or 2000 a month, by the time inflation runs its course over the next 20 years, it'll buy $100 worth of goods. That's right. the issue. That's the problem, that, the thing that people don't understand. So, you know, yeah, I mean, this has been a great time to reflect about finances. It's also been a great time to realize that, you know, there's really nothing material that can't be replaced, you know, when it comes right down to it. And, and as hard as it can be to run a business, I mean, the shout out to all you small businesses out there, you know, may you find ways to make your business easier and, you know, may you find ways to run uh, smarter and harder and find ways to augment your cash flow, and, and may you have loyal customers. I mean, we had, um, I think one person from the gym paid us throughout this time period, and, you know, um, I love her to death, and I appreciate her uh, for doing that. You know, she didn't have to do that because we pushed everybody. But the reality of it is, is there are a few people in the world who will support you if they believe in what you're doing, and those are the things that, you know, are priceless, and they make you want to keep going. They make you want to keep building. Mm-hmm. And you just wire differently. Like if you're in the entrepreneurial world, you know, it's going to be fucking hard. Like, you, I mean, just like doing your taxes every year, knowing you're going to get the shaft when you go to apply for a loan, you've got to provide a hundred different documents. Whereas the guy who has a job shows up with a check stub and gets a, a loan in two days. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you show up with 60 pieces of documentation and they're going to let you know 60 days from now that they need 60 more pieces of documentation. <laughs> and then maybe if you give them $10,000, they'll give you consider giving you the loan, which is what happened to us on the the third property that we bought, right? Right. On the the night before the loan was supposed to fund, the guy calls and he's like, I know it's the night before, but um, you know, we're just not comfortable after I sent like six I think I counted sixty six documents I sent him. We're just not comfortable uh doing the loan yet. Uh but you know, we think if you if you throw ten thousand more dollars down, we'll 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 push we'll we'll push the loan through for you. So the night before I'm calling you, I'm like, hey, go ahead and wire some funds down from that account in Canada to the account here. And I'll go ahead and send it over to the guy so we can get the loan to get property number three. It was like the last minute. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy shit like that. And and it drives you crazy because like you try to play by the rules and you try to provide value and pay all these property taxes for schools you're never going to use and all this other kind of crap. And this is how you get treated, you know, when you go to Mm -hmm. provide, you know, basically apply for a loan on a property that you're going to put more than 20 or 30% down, the bank can repossess if you default and they're treating you like it's the end of the world. Right. They're not, they're going to lose nothing. They got your cash up front and they've got the value of the property that they can just turn around and sell if you don't pay them, but they treat you like a criminal. (laughs) And, um, you know, but if you work a job, the incentive is you work a job, you get your, your loan really, really, really easy. It's like, Hey, you know what? You got a little bit of money in the bank. You got enough for down payment. You got a check stub. You got tax returns for the last two years. Okay, cool. We're good. It doesn't take that much. But yeah, I mean, the, the game is rigged for them, for the incentive to be, be an employee. That's what right. they're telling you, right? And they and governments love this because employees, you know, when you get your check, they already take their money out. You don't have to write a check to the government. But I feel like if employees actually had to get all of their money, like if if you make 15 bucks an hour, right? And at the end of the week, you worked 40 hours. What is that? You get 600 bucks for that week's work. You know, if you work a full, uh, is it 600? 
yeah, 600 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah, around 500, 600. Yeah, and then you take, uh, you take, uh, they take your taxes out before they give you your check. So you, you go home with whatever's left over. But if you got all of the money and you had to go home and write a check to the government, that would change things totally. drastically, right? If you got all of your money, it's like, okay, here's my, you know, here's my uh, $600 deposited. Now I have to write a check to the government for two hundred and seventy-three fifty. <laughs> well, <laughs> people don't even look at their pay stubs now because it's all online. They don't even open up. Yes, yeah, they don't even look yeah, at them. For they sure. just some people don't even look in their bank account. That's true, right? So they don't even try to ask someone how much taxes came off their check. They, I guarantee, most people would never know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway. It's getting past my bedtime. Yeah, we should probably get off the uh, old microphones here, huh? Mm-hmm. I still have to go do a mile. Yeah, you do. Did you do your mile yet? No, I didn't do my mile. <laughs> All right. You going to do your mile? I don't think so. Oh, come on. You just got through giving us a speech about doing hard things. I know. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of hard things lately. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. All right, cool. Well, um, thanks for taking the time tonight to chat. We'll have to do it again. I know we got a lot more to go through and never even touched. You even touching any of the things that we said we were going to talk anything, about. Yeah, we got all COVID I side, got off on a tangent. Tracked. One tangent led to another tangent. All these tangents. All these tangents. We'll just lines. call it the, the episode of tangents. <laughs> Tangential information. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people can walk away some with some tools for finances. Some tools for realizing that, you know what, hey, when when the world gives you downtime, take advantage of it. Do something positive with it, right? Mm-hmm. Be and nice to okay. people. And be nice to people, and it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry, and be nice to people who wear masks and gloves, mm-hmm. right? Even if you think they're crazy. Right. Yeah, even if their nose is sticking just out of the top kind. of the mask. Just be nice to them because they're scared, and they need, to be, they need to be held and hugged, even though they won't let you hold them and <laughs> hug them. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so we're gonna that's gonna do it for tonight thanks for tuning in i appreciate your time and attention um be sure and like and subscribe on the old interwebs and we'll see you guys in the next episode have a great night bye that's gonna do it for this episode of Hardwater radio guys as always thank you so much for listening we appreciate you guys and if you're vibing on this content be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking sharing subscribing and by all means leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher let us know what you like what you dislike and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story we are a collector of stories here shoot me a message jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media uh, facebook instagram whatever works for you and i'd love to have that conversation with you guys until then this is jason archer signing off reminding you to remember your future